Hello, you're listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast. Whether you're at work, driving in your car, or getting your workout on, we hope and pray that what you hear today will fill your spirit. Come, join us as we walk through God's Word together. God's good, is He not? He is. Hey, I want to um, first thank Pastor Costin for the opportunity to preach this morning. Uh, I think he's in Europe uh, right now in Germany. Uh, I'm thankful that he allows me to come up and, and speak um, and just proclaim his God's truth uh, to you. Um, I also want to thank my family, uh, Kristen and my daughter who's not feeling well, Amari. Uh, and she said I needed to also acknowledge our dog, Oasis. So we have a dog. Yes. Um, hey, when I get asked to preach, Pastor Costa's like, hey, I want you to preach uh, the first week in December. We're doing a series on how Jesus is the promised Messiah, right? And uh, so typically I pray, God, what do we need to hear? And I, I, um, I, I just spend time in his word, and then it's like, okay, I narrow in on a passage of scripture, and then... Um, I, I, I just study that for a couple of days, and then I pull out my Bible commentaries, and then I like learn as much as I can learn all those things, and then I write it out. I write out my talk. Okay, I normally don't say every word, thankfully, that I write out, but I write it out, right? And I practice, and then on Sunday mornings, I, um, I get up early, I pray, and then I do one like final read through. Okay, so I'm, 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 I'm doing my read through and Amari comes down and she, uh, she gives me a morning hug. She goes, dad, are you ready for your morning hug? Of course. So I push everything to the side. She comes running, gives me a huge hug. Now she's sitting up, right? Uh, and then she's in my arms and she's like, daddy, you are so beautiful, right? Yes, yes. Okay. And then I took that for all it's worth, not knowing what it meant necessarily. And so then she goes, can I have my breakfast? I'm like, okay. And so I get up, go get her breakfast. And she goes, dad, you are really beautiful, but I have one concern. Well, yeah. She goes, you would be more beautiful if you, do you put soap and shampoo in your beard? Right? And maybe if you combed it out and made it straight, it would be, you would be more beautiful. And I think about this when I think about Christ and the church. That I think God these days is saying, the church is beautiful, you're my bride, but I have one concern. You have forgotten me. You've forgotten who I am, who I... <laughs> I have always been. We have forgotten him. I remember, um, I thought it was clever back in the day, started people parted capitalizing Christ and Mus, Christmas. It was like this clever little, hey, we got to put Christ back in Christmas. And you know, as more and more time has gone by, I think we need to capitalize the Christ in Christian. You know? Christine. <laughs> right? Because we have forgotten 
that it's about Christ. Not just at Christmas, but all the time. And there's very little things that seems to differentiate ourselves from the world. Like sometimes I'm like, they're a Christian? Have you ever had that like response about something? They're a Christian, right? And we've gotten away from the Bible and, and how every piece of this book points to Jesus. Singularly focused on Jesus. And I want to call us back to being singularly focused on Jesus during this season, but not just this season, but the rest of the year. Putting the Christ back in the Christian. Okay? And so, the Bible declares it. And we're going to look in the book of Matthew. Okay? It's a series that we're doing from the book of Matthew. And I just wanted to say today, Jesus is the Messiah. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. All right, so if you can stand with me, if you're able. I'm going to be reading from Matthew 8, starting in verse 17, and then I'm going to backtrack to um, 1 through 4. It says this in verse 17, So that what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, he himself took our weaknesses and carried our diseases. Let's go back to Matthew 8, starting in verse 1. When he came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. Right away, a man with leprosy came up and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him, saying, I am willing, be made clean. Immediately, the lep his leprosy was cleansed. Then Jesus told him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. God, speak to us. Speak to us. Speak to us. Speak to us through your word. And I pray that we are able to hear you, able to see you, and that we will not forget, Lord. So thank you. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, Christmas is the time of the ultimate gift. Jesus came, right? He was born in a manger. John 1.14 says this. If you're reading the message version, uh, Jesus moved into the neighborhood, right? He came to be where we are with us. All of Scripture points to this. All the Old Testament points to Jesus coming, Okay, and there are many, many prophecies about who Jesus is, right? Who he was going to be, that he was going to be the Messiah. I've read uh, it, the commentaries were kind of debating on how many promises there was, but I'm going to settle on the one that said 351. That's a lot of promises in which Jesus fulfilled, is it not? Right? Like, it's one thing, I feel good if I keep, you know, like if the person keeps one promise to me, I feel good. Do you not? Or if you're able to predict one thing, it's like, hey, you just keep predicting stuff until you hopefully get one right, right? But this, in Jesus, 351 promises fulfilled. He is the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. There are some famous predictions that have not come true, but because many people follow this guy, I want to just share one that he had. Bill Gates, okay? In 2004, Bill Gates made a bold prediction to the world. He said, 
I will eliminate spam from the world. And guess how many years he said that? In two years. He said this in 2004. It's 2022. Still spam all the time, right? Especially at Christmas. Predictions. Another synonym would be a forecast for that. Like the weathermen are always wrong. I normally take what they say and do the opposite. If they say it's going to snow 100 feet, it's not going to snow. They say it's going to be a dusting, be a, get your blizzard gear out, right? That's the way it is. But there's no guesswork in the Bible. Jesus fulfills the promises that have been made about him in his life. In his life. Again, just, we're just going to look at one today. Matthew 8:17 so that what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled he himself took our weaknesses and carried our diseases see Matthew of all people of all people was the one that was used to um declare to all the Jewish community that Jesus is who he said he was Right? Pretty remarkable when you think about Jesus, I mean, Matthew's life. If you know, he was actually a tax collector before he came into a relationship with Jesus. He was Levi. And a tax collector was the worst person that you could possibly be. You were rejecting the whole community that you were a part of. Tax collectors today, I mean, back then were hated. Today, almost as hated, but not the same, right? Sorry if you're a tax collector. But they were despised. They could tax you whatever they wanted. And you know, going through tolls, it says $5, $6. It feels like it's always changing. But what if it was like, they just like, we'll decide when you get here. What if that was on the sign? Like you, 10 bucks, you $25, you $50. You couldn't say nothing, right? This was Levi. And he was taxing his own people. He probably taxed Jesus's family. When you think about that, think about that. That's who he was. Man, and by being a tax collector, you yourself were declared to be unclean. I can't believe it, right? And Jesus comes to Levi and says, at his tax collecting booth, and says, come follow me. Just like he gives that invitation to all of us. And this man comes down from the tax collector's booth and follows Jesus. And then he becomes a disciple, then becomes Matthew, which means gift of God, and he writes the first book of the New Testament. And then he is the one who's in charge of showing the Jewish community that Jesus is who he said he was. Talk about a, you know, turnaround, a coming back around, however you want to say it because I'm up here, I'm forgetting. Um, Tony Evans, let's take him for example. He says this about the book of Matthew. Matthew is the culmination of all the Old Testament's anticipation of the Messiah who was to come. Man, if Tony Evans says it, you know, right? I also want to say this. If, if, God, if Jesus can use Levi, he can use any of us. There's nothing that you can do that God can't use and change your life in a radical way. Doesn't matter. 
no matter what. And so back to that promise, right, in Isaiah. Isaiah wrote that 750 years before it happened. At what point do you give up on someone saying, hey, I'm going to do this, and they don't do it, you know, time gets away, maybe a day, maybe a week, maybe a month, 750 years. They are still waiting for this promise to come about. And the promise is actually written in Isaiah 53, 4. It says this, yet he himself bore our sicknesses and he carried our pains. Israel had not given up. They were still waiting on him. And so I love this. He says, he himself, he didn't delegate this. He didn't have a bunch of pawns in a chess match and was like, I'm going to sacrifice them. He didn't have, uh, you know, soldiers in the military that he's just going to send out to die in his place. He himself came. He himself. In recruiting for football, as I'm a football coach, it's, it's one thing when the assistant coaches come, but it's another thing when the head coach comes. So the head coach is in the room. It's a big deal. Jesus being the head coach, he is coming, he is in the room, he is here, right? No one else is doing any bidding for him. He himself, he himself, it says, took our weaknesses. When I think of uh, people taking stuff, they normally don't take your weakness. Do they not? They take the best, whatever your best is, right? When people invade countries, they take the best of whatever it is. They... They do all the things, but not your weaknesses, right? I can't even imagine. Jesus took my weakness. Have you thought about what your weakness is? Jesus came and, and took that. He came and took our weaknesses, our sicknesses. We are so fragile. It's just evident. Like, I could take, when I go to school with Amari, they do a thing where it's like, you can, um, they sing, uh, they have the whole school comes out and they sing, and uh, I'm sitting there and I'm singing, but then I'm also hearing the 800 coughs that are happening at the same time, like, <clears throat> and I'm thinking, uh, I know how fragile I am, I'm going to be sick when I leave here, right? It's a beautiful time, but that's where my mind goes, you know, and... Man, he did it. He carries it. He said he carried our diseases. He took it all. There's nothing about who you are that he doesn't want. We normally offer him our, we try to offer him our best. I remember my dad would wake me up and he goes, put on your Sunday best every Sunday before church. Right? You might be like, what happened, Mike? And I'll be like, you know, this is my Sunday best now. But that's what I would do. I'd put on my, you know, clothes, and I, it was like, it was setting up this, this position of like, you got to just bring your best, even though you've lived your worst all week. But Jesus wants what happened all week, right, versus what I'm trying to cover up today. And that's good news. That is good news. So we move on, right? He's himself has taken our weaknesses and he has carried our diseases. It's easy to see how that he does that because we know the end of the story of him dying on the cross for us. 
right? Taking our weakness, taking our diseases, taking the punishment that we deserve. He does all of that for us on the cross, right? And so then we go to the, the, the story. It says in Matthew 8, verse 1, when he came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. I want to stop right there. The, the, the Sermon of the Mount has just happened. I don't know how you say which sermon of Jesus is better than the others because he's perfect. So I'm sure they're all like, that was the greatest thing I've ever heard. Hopefully, right? But the Sermon of the Mount, people know what that is, right? And he's on the mountain with crowds of people. And it makes me think back to Moses being on the mountain and no one was allowed on the mountain. God was speaking to Moses alone and people were told, if you just touch the mountain, you're going to die. You know how we are. If this is like you touch that little right there, we're going to walk as close (laughs) as we can to not dying. Right? That's what we do. Well, (laughs) Moses is up there. They can tell something's happening. There's a, you know, there's clouds, there's a fog. It's incredible, I'm sure. But now because Jesus has come, everybody's invited to the mountain. And they're on the mountaintop, right? He gives this incredible sermon, right? He's taken the Ten Commandments and kind of, in our mind, upped them, right? He's like, hey, we're not supposed to murder anybody we know. Well, Jesus says, hey, if you've hated your brother, then you have murdered someone. And it's like, oh, I'm a murderer, right? And and so they're all now going to walk down the mountain with Jesus, This would be, like, mind-boggling at the time. This, was, this is some blow it up. You cannot, you'd be like, they said what? They did what? This, what's about to happen? Because Jesus now has told them how to live, and now he's going to live it out in front of them all. You know, talk is cheap. It's, we, we're always looking at, are people living out what they're saying? Right? Are they keeping it 100? Right? Um, there's a verse in the Bible in Paul is talking to Timothy, and he says in 1 Timothy 4.16, pay close attention to your life and your teaching. Persevere in these things, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Jesus is about to show us what proper alignment looks like. Because you know the damage that can be done with your tires if they're out of a line. Just imagine our spiritual walks when we get out of a line and all focused of who God really is. Jesus, the Messiah. Right? And so they're walking down and it says that right away a man with leprosy came up and knelt before him. This is a scene from TMZ. This would be in the news. This would be um, you know, on Facebook videos, this would be in reels, this would be, you'd be talking about this at the barbershop, at the salon, everything. A leper came up to Jesus, and not only that, the leper comes up to him, there's a whole crowd coming down the, the mountain. Can you see that picture? If y'all were all walking towards me, and I'm, and I'm a leper, and I'm walking towards you, it would be pretty intimidating, right? And Jesus is leading them. Just the the whole, the momentum (laughs) of it all. 
And I don't know if you know, but a leper, it says this in Leviticus about them. The person who has a case of serious skin disease, leprosy, is to have his clothes torn, his hair hanging loose, and he must cover his mouth and cry out, unclean, unclean. Even his breath will contaminate you. He will remain unclean as long as he has this disease. He is unclean. He must live alone in a place outside the camp. The original social distancing. <laughs> the original cancer culture right here. This person is, they're gone from the community. If you lived outside the city walls, outside the camp, you had no safety, you were vulnerable, you were kicked out. And even bigger than that, he was not able to go into the church anymore or the synagogue back then and, and worship God. Like, totally removed. And so everyone that is, is coming up right to him, they can tell from a distance that this man is a leper. Torn clothes, hair, everything. I don't know if they're picking up rocks. They had the right to kill him. To stone him. Can you, can you, like, I'm sure somebody thought about, it. I'm going to get my stone out. Surely he's not walking towards us. And this guy, and I think the crowd probably had to part. I don't know if they got one eye on Jesus and one eye on the leper, right? Like, what's Jesus going to do? Is Jesus going to stone him? I'm going to throw a huge stone, right? But Jesus didn't, okay? And they, they get there, the crowd's separating, and it's Jesus and him. And again, it, this is what he says. He says, <clears throat> Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Man, I think this is a, an interesting question because he questions Jesus' love for him more than he questions Jesus' power. Because he says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. He knows he can be made clean by Jesus. But is Jesus willing? And that's the question that all of us ask all the time. Do you really love me? We say that to our loved ones. By the way we live. And I think we say that to Jesus by the way we live. We doubt. But I'm telling you, he really loves you. Right? And Jesus, <laughs> uh, when we do that and we question it, it causes us to get out of alignment. We're no longer balanced. It is the great trick to get us to question if God really loves us. There's a guy, Sir David Bruce. I don't know who he is, but I liked his quote. He says, Mankind more easily believes in miraculous power than in miraculous love. And I think this particularly explains our obsession with Marvel and DC movies. Do you not know? They're like the top movies every time, or Star Wars. We know that we, there needs to be, there's something wrong with this world, and it's going to take someone with superpowers to heal it, you know, to, to get the ultimate victory. Is it not? There are very few movies about miraculous love. You know, I don't know what you would call that superhero. <laughs> the lover. Uh, 
Marvel, the lover, right? He loves so incredibly you can't do anything about it, right? And, but Jesus is that. But Jesus has all the power, all the love. The ultimate superhero. And he asked him, he doesn't ask him to heal him from leprosy, which I think is interesting. When I think of things that I want to be healed from, I want to be able to see, <laughs> right? I've got strong contacts in. I want to be healed from my diabetes, right? If I had leprosy and all the things that it was a result of it, I'd be like, can you heal me from my leprosy? But Jesus speaks to a deeper need that we all have to be clean at the heart level. And that guy knew, like, Anything else that's happening in life, that's just a symptom to our hearts, right? We oftentimes try to cure the, the, the temporary symptom versus the real issue. And this guy knew, hey, I need to be declared clean so I can be back in community, right? And this was something that doctors wouldn't even try to fix for people, and I think sometimes we try to go to doctors when we really need a priest, you know? And only a priest could do that. And who's Jesus? The high priest. Is he not? And so <laughs> Jesus is there. The guy is on his knees saying, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And what does it say in verse 3? It says, reaching out his hand Jesus touched him. No one had touched this guy in years. Not even an accidental graze. Right? Nobody. They believed that leprosy was directly a punishment from the hand of God. And so what is happening here? The hand of God is reaching out and touching him. Do you see it? I don't think you see it. The hand of God, they believed, this was an act of judgment. You have leprosy directly from the hand of God. Now, the hand of God is reaching out and, and touching him. Like, immediately says, the leprosy was cleansed. Before that, he says, I am willing, I love you. Be made clean. Come on. Only God, only God could cleanse someone like this. And he's the only one that can cleanse us. We can't forget. We cannot forget. Jesus cleanses us. And then he does that by dying for us on the cross. And it says this, immediately the leprosy was gone. He was cleansed. All the isolation, torn clothes, separation from his community, from God, gone. The finished work of Christ, taking all the punishment for us. It's immediate. We can now have a relationship with him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Mm. That's a verse to memorize. Then Jesus told him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest. 
offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. I've wondered many times why Jesus always was saying, don't tell anybody, knowing full well that we're going to go and tell everyone. I don't think he's into reverse psychology, but uh, he's like, don't do it. It's not time yet. Instead, this guy, again, he told everyone. He put it on social media. He put it, he sent emails, newsletters, TV spots during the Super Bowl. You know, he announced it, right? And if we go to the book of Mark to give us a little more about the end of this in verse uh, 45 of chapter 1, it says, Yet he went out and began to proclaim it widely to spread the news with the result that Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but he was out in the deserted places, and they came to him from everywhere. Literally, Jesus traded places with the leper. Literally. The leper, lonely places, outside, isolated, can't go anywhere, can't touch anybody, all those things. Jesus could go anywhere, and then they flip-flop. As soon as Jesus touched him, he took all that sickness, all, took everything. That's good news. That is good news. See, in this story again, the prophecy is fulfilled. Jesus is the Messiah. Matthew 8, 17. So that what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. He himself took our weaknesses and carried our diseases. All of scripture points to this. You can see it everywhere. It centers itself on Jesus. And we have to do the same. We have to center our lives on Jesus. I want to close with this. Um, when I was uh, in, I thought I was going to be a professional soccer player. That was going to be my career path. And so I pl I've played a lot of soccer. And um, in college, we would, they, I don't know if they do it anymore because they've gotten clever ways to do this. But they, for stretching, there's a stretch where you put your leg up like this and you try to balance and you pull it back as far as you can. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of doing it now, but that's after many years of like trying. Um, if I were to have all of us stand up and put our legs, some of y'all be like, I'm falling over immediately. Uh, I'm not even going to try. Let me hold on to something. But there's a trick. They say, focus on a small piece of grass and then you'll keep your balance, Right? And I think of that with my life. Like, there's something going on always. Like, it puts my leg behind my back, whatever it may be. I'm off balance. So the only way for me to get on, as I'm doing it right now, is to focus on a point. And that point needs to be Jesus Christ in my life so that I can keep my balance. You've been listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast, and we trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at solidword.org. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you next week.